0: To s- inside the recording studio. My name is Jody Weissides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Selstrom. That was ingenious, Jody. Was I love it. How are you doing today? Annoying man? too. <laughs> yes, it
1: certainly was. <laughs> and
0: I work with you. Holy shit. Sorry. What are we talking about? We are talking about the sweet sexiness of DS Sirth. Yeah, <laughs> I You're certainly need to hope run the deesser that I use on this podcast will help that.
1: Yeah, a deesser is one of those things that it's not super fun to talk about, or even to buy. Oh, I got a new deesser. Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> that's yeah. the
0: first thing I call you about every week. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, Dude, if you check have out new this new deessers? Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, but it is a tool that we don't miss until we really need one. Damn straight. And not going to argue that point
0: at all. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, because it just like the intro to this podcast, this episode, right? Yeah, that's supremely annoying,
0: <laughs> you know. And I wonder how many people have already turned the podcast off and like, I'm not listening to this episode now. Yeah. Oh
1: my goodness! Can you hear the way he did that intro this time? That that's was right. so lame. <laughs> if people are unaware of what a deesser is and what a deesser does. It essentially, for the simple terms, it's like it listens for those S's and attenuates them. And yeah. it kind of evens them out the performance
0: somewhat. The first question might be, well, why wouldn't I just use an EQ, Jody? You can, and this is how de actually came about in my understanding of recording history. When sibilance, which is that whole concept of the th- sound comes Mm -hmm. through. Back before we had dedicated DSers, the way it was dealt with is you had an EQ and a compressor working in conjunction with each other and you would use that to attenuate the specific frequency so that the compressor would hit extra hard at that point. And -hmm. it wasn't the most effective method or you also could do it in the exact opposite fashion of where you would use the opposite of the frequency and you'd bring that value down where the sibilance is really hitting and then you'd use the compressor to bring everything else back up once you've notched out that frequency so to speak but DSers in and of themselves have now been on the market for quite some time and it makes the job of getting rid of sibilance especially in vocals but sibilance can also kind of happen in other instruments a whole lot easier to deal with and remove.
1: Yeah. And of course, if you're using just an EQ to kind of adjust for those S's, you're affecting the signal even when those S's aren't present.
0: Well, so yes, you can. And that was much more difficult in the era of hands-on on on a console dealing with it in real time. However, I have gone the mutt-lang anal bizarreness route of automating an EQ to only flip on that particular band when needed. Yes. And then turn it back off when not needed.
1: Sure. My point that I wanted to make there before I was so rudely interrupted. uh, Okay. I'm going to go sit in my corner now. Go sit in your corner. Is that this noise happens at 2.2 K, let's Mm -hmm. say, just to have a value. Now, if you're attenuating that just on an EQ and statically have it sitting on your track, then you're of course, you're affecting the sound of that track throughout, even when these S's aren't present. Right. So just like you described there, you could do it with an automation where you just can activate that band as that happening. But that's effectively what a de does for you. Yep. You don't want to necessarily just remove those with an EQ and leave it there because you're affecting the sound. The de does that for you. And one thing that I think is important to keep in mind that when we're mixing is, let's say the example of vocals here again. In that range, we have this sort of presence about the vocal where it sounds possibly clear and articulate and all those nice things that we want. But it's very easy to overdo that process where it just becomes... Nasty and really fatiguing to have that throughout the whole track, as it were. Yes. It's an important thing that we want to kind of take care of because you want the cleanliness and the clarity, but you don't want the constant that kind of
0: thing, right? And it's because like, it drills oh, and God. bores into your skull and your ears.
1: Yeah. And then you find yourself like, oh, I can't listen to this track, you know? Mm-hmm. So,
0: you know what? It, Let's like, before we dive into the whole concept of the use of the de and everything, especially now that you're mentioning and really promoting the concept of let's use this on a vocal, which is the primary reason for its invention. However, that being said, if you are the recording engineer dealing with the vocalist that's doing this, mm. your best bet is to get the appropriate microphone for that voice before you even press record. Sure thing. Absolutely. <laughs> that will deal with the, the whole concept of sibilance right off the bat.
1: Yeah. It's, again, that idea of getting it right at the source, right? And so many people are talking about that all the time. We hear, get it right at the source. And somebody like we mention all the time, like an Al Schmidt or something, mm-hmm. he probably never had to use a de in his whole life, right? Because he, he would get it right at the source. These tools are there if we need them. And if it's one of those things where you might get fooled when you're tracking, like, oh, my God, this is just the clarity and it sounds so good. And you can hear the top end and this and that. And I can hear every articulation in the singer's voice. But then once you get a little compression on it and you're tweaking it a little bit, now it's just obnoxious. And it's like, oh, my God, get rid of that. you know? Yes. But it's a very good point that you bring up there. With choice of microphone.
0: Yeah, it can and, make a huge difference on a vocalist's voice. Right. Whereas, let's say, a U87A mm-hmm. might sound really nice on my voice. And then I might go for some kind of Groove Tubes 200 series. I don't know. I'm just making it up, pulling a name and number out of my hat and my butt. And that mic might be super brittle in a particular frequency on my voice, and suddenly sibilance comes out everywhere.
1: Yeah. The lesson in there, of course, is we always get blinded by, you know, a certain microphone name and we're like, well, this is a great mic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it might be, and it probably is, but is it the right mic for, for that this voice. particular singer? Yeah, yes. exactly. And that song, so, for that matter. Right. It's one of those things, again, that like you're getting it right, but... Don't be afraid to use an air quote here, lesser mic if it's the appropriate one. That sounds know?
0: good on the voice. All right. Now that we've gone off on the deep end of a tangent, let's get back into our DSer vibe.
1: Let's do that. Vocals, I'm thinking that's the primary function for this. It's not the only thing. But but if we bore a little bit deeper into vocals mm-hmm. and your DSing, where do you find for you, where the frequency where you might reach for initially to kind of start DSing?
0: This is going to be ding da ding 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 program dependent upon the person that you're dealing with because male voices will have a different frequency range from female voices. So take it. You a sip. don't say. I do. I say. will. Yeah. Content <laughs> dependent. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> Generally speaking, with most male voices, you're probably looking somewhere around the 2 to 2.2K range. And with female voices, you're probably looking somewhere around the 2.2-ish, maybe on up close to 3, depending on the female. So the, the male voice is probably a little bit wider than that. It just depends on their tonal quality of them. And the mic that they're being paired with, yeah. But that's the but, general. Range. Yeah.
1: So we're kind of looking at that two to three k range, right? I would say, well, depending on some use, but the vocal, you're right. That that's about that range. And you you'll have to, depending on which deesser that you're using, you'd have to probably sweep a little bit up there and just listen to to see that you're affecting the, the appropriate range. range. Yeah.
0: Now there's another point of nastiness that can happen. And this also relates to multiple instruments other than the voice. And that is right around the 4.1 K range. That is just a shrill, nasty area for pretty much everybody's listening unpleasure. It's very piercing, <laughs> it isn't? is yeah. a very piercing frequency. If there's a problematic area in a particular recorded track, that's also another one where you want to look at. And it's like, hey, is that where that sibilance is really killing my ears?
1: If you're using a deesser, it can also be very tempting to overcook the attenuation that we do. Oh, yeah. So don't be too aggressive with it. You have to obviously just use your ear. It's always the right thing to do. Are you saying salt to taste? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, and be careful with the garlic. It's tempting to perhaps just, oh, I just want to pull that out all the way. But now you can lose some of that clarity and you can just make the tracking question
0: sound really unnatural. So, Especially if you're going along and there's a certain amount of clarity going on in the vocal and then you hit the sound of the sibilance and it suddenly gets very, very dull for a moment. Yeah. It can be very obvious.
1: Absolutely. We have to be careful use with care but it really does a huge difference on your tracks. Now, on a technical tangent here, when you place a deesser on let's say we're talking vocals here, where in the chain do you place your deesser? Do you do it after the
0: processing, uh, compression, EQ, do you do it before? Do you do it both? What do you do? It will depend on the program, but 90% of the time I'm putting it as the first thing in the chain. Mm, Yeah. So that I'm not dealing with a ton of other processing on the actual sibilance. It just, to me, makes it a lot easier to deal with. Sometimes it's really bad and you have to do it at the beginning, then you do some processing, and then you do it again at the end.
1: Yeah. That's a common thing, I think, for, especially for people that mix pop tracks and stuff because we want that sort of ultra clarity mm-hmm. of the vocal, right? Yeah, placing it close to the beginning of your vocal chain is a good idea because you're not exacerbating the problem with like compressors and things before you do the processing. So you're forcing the de to do a heavier handed job mm-hmm. and you're probably not going to get the, the same benefits, I was
0: going to say, if it has to do that, because it, then it has to work harder and you get more drastic results. So, Right. And with that, because we work hard and we want some benefits, here's a word from our sponsors. And we're back. And I kind of cut you off a little bit briefly there, but do you have anything else you want to add before we boot on to another type of instrument to use with a de
1: no, I think that's pretty much how I like to deal it with vocals. I mean, I mm-hmm. put it early on in the chain, get rid you of it. You also that. do but, it early on, then. I, I do, yes, absolutely. And then, if need be, at the end of the chain. But then it would be very gentle. Uh-huh. I would say that if it's needed at all. And nine times out of ten, it's I put it early on in the chain, and that's it, and that kind of takes care of the problem. So, no, I think that's you know that's a big one, and it will really make your vocal hopefully have that sort of professional sheen that we're kind of going for. And that kind of takes care of it for me. So I don't have too much else to add with vocals. But are there other instruments, or what other situations do you tend to use
0: it on? Well, one particular instrument is drums, especially with cymbals and overheads. and Uh, Definitely, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, with the particular frequency of around the 4.1k mark, Overheads can get pretty harsh, and not so much sibilant, but it's in that sibilant style range, from anywhere from about three to four and a half k. And in there, if they're really nasty sounding, having a deesser on the overheads can help quite a bit to yeah. tame the nastiness that drills into your ear and makes you go, "Man, I don't want to listen to the drummer on this song anymore."
1: Yeah, especially with I find that crashes and depending on the drummer and their playing style, that say that they're using sort of like a crash ride and they're hitting that. They might not back off enough to make that sound good during the recording, and they're just bashing the crap out of that. Mm-hmm. That can very easily get super shrill, and it's just like oh, it just kind of takes over your whole track. Oh yes, a deesser is. Fantastic for that.
0: It's Same a specialty thing, but... EQ just for your crashes,
1: for your enjoyment only. Yeah, and then like you mentioned, it tends to go a little bit higher. Oh yeah. Than you would with the vocal, but sweeping around there about three to four K range, maybe even a little bit higher. Same rules, I would say, as with vocals here. Too aggressive of a use, and you'll kill the vibe of it. You suck the life right out. The, the reverse breath. That's right. <laughs> it can sound unnatural if you have a hard time EQing an overhead. That can sound a little aggressive like that. Which with an overhead you want the clarity and everything. But if you know, it might sound great when playing the verse part, or whatever, with a hi hat, whatever. But then when you get into this aggressive crash ridey stuff, it just takes over. So playing with the deesser there is fantastical. And mm-hmm. I recommend it if we need it. Anything else they use it on? I think you've used it on guitars, guitars a little bit as well. Yeah, right?
0: yeah, I've used it on guitars, especially noisy, overdriven guitars where string noise from fingers gets overbearing. In addition to that, sometimes the pick onch, as I would call it, can get a yeah. little bit ridiculous. And so you'd find where the onch is of the pick hits on the strings. and use a de to kind of control those, too. So if you don't have a specialty plug-in like RX's Guitar Denoise, which deals with not only the high-end type stuff of squeals and squeaks, but it also deals with pick noise and amp noise and such, you can use a de instead to yeah. actually deal with these high-pitched squeals and squeaks of guitars in your mix.
1: You're obviously an RX user so do you find yourself reaching
0: for a deesser to take care of those issues anymore or not so much Not on a guitar no I yeah. use the the guitar denoise plugin for very specific things it's a guitar specific deesser and de-hummer it's got a couple of different functions built in so I don't need to use a specialized deesser just for guitars
1: Yeah what kind of frequency should you use it as a denoiser?
0: Did you just kind of sweep and find where that was or it depends on the squeal or squeak or whatever string noise I'm trying to get rid of because some depending on a person player's fingers squeal differently on the strings than other players. I mean they're in the same general area, but it's it depends on the person. Some people might have more meteor feeling fingers on their strings, so they won't squeal quite as high. As yeah. other people that might have smaller, less meaty fingers that might get a real high pitched wail off of them somehow.
1: Yeah, And obviously, we're not talking, or at least I'm not talking about, you know, the John Sykes, Zach Wild squeal. With you know, those are like harmonics. So they're doing yeah, it on purpose. But, but noise from sliding up and down between chords, that kind of thing, especially if you're playing with a lot of gain, or sometimes even if you're not, you get those kind of squeaks and stuff moving shifting positions that can sometimes it's almost like a breath with vocals that we talked about removing a breath right and it's like part of it is emotion and sometimes it's just freaking annoying so you have to get rid of that (laughs) oh yeah are are you using
0: anything specialized are you using guitars with de-essers or what I
1: don't. It's an RX thing
0: for me as well. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, if I need to do that. I find that if it's something I mean, you're that- You're going
0: muttling like anal and just like EQing it at the moment it happens then.
1: Not well. If it happens, let me backtrack and I'll, hopefully I'll answer your question. Okay. I tend to be so anal about that when I'm tracking, if it's me tracking and playing. Uh-huh. I get hypervigilant, so I try to capture that and knock that shit out while I'm tracking, whether it would be audible in the mix or not. I'm like, nope, do that again, do that again,
0: that type of thing. Do you ever make yourself or another guitar player oil the strings to prevent that as well?
1: No, I haven't gotten that crazy. That's a trick I actually learned from a a long time ago from a producer called Peter McIan, Mm -hmm. who used to work with – Men at work and things like that. But he did a seminar one time I attended and he said, yeah, I always have like a bottle of Wesson oil sitting next to me <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, if it's too bad. It yeah. but, but one thing I found with that though is it tends to be more often than not just there's just too much gain on the amp, too yeah. much distortion, you know, and, and it gets like super sensitive. And of course for certain extreme types of music, you have to have that kind of gain to get the sound, but then really pay attention to these. But long-winded way of answering a question. I don't really use a DSer that way. I try to capture it at the source. Yep. And if there's something when I'm getting it from somebody else, it's an RX thing for me where I try, tend to go for that. Gotcha.
0: Well, now that we've so- actually plugged RX as a way to remove some kind of specialized <laughs> yeah. DSing on guitars, what are your favorite DSers for actual DSing? Well, as of the recording of
1: this podcast, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, it's my Friday Find. I'm really liking the DS from, or the FGDS from Slate. The new it's one fantastic, that they just released a little while ago. Yeah, and, and I believe it, it's, it's a recreation of an old DBX compressor, Ooh. or a DS, I'm sorry. Right. But that works great. You know, I, I don't necessarily like the phrase, so it's easy to use, but it is really easy to use. <laughs> Because I think usually when you talk about easy of or ease of use or making it easy of use, it just means limited control. sure, yeah, I like that one a lot it it works really, really great. I did it on a mix here with some vocals just this past week and that was awesome. What another one I like that's sort of part of the slate bundle, but it's a plugin from Eosis called the e two dsr That was my dsr choice before. I got this one. That one's Again, kind of
0: like the Swiss Army knife of DSing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that is definitely as intricate as you'd want. Mm-hmm. I think in in the DS I remember us seeing that at the Nam show when that was about to get released. You can really, really go in and do a lot of stuff with that. So that that was my deesser choice up to then. But right now, I, I like the DS or oh, FGDs from from Slate. What about you? Do you have
0: one you reach for? Prior to doing Logic's built-in deesser, which got a real nice update in it Logic yeah. 10. Point whatever. I think it was six. <laughs> was I it? think. But yeah, yeah Logic's like built-in yeah. DSer has a pretty nice functionality to it now in the current version of Logic Pro. Some of the others that I've used is the Universal Audio Precision DSer, which is also a very nice DSer. And with the name Precision, you get the impression that, yeah, that thing does its job quite well. But <laughs> it prior, has to with a name it like that. yeah, right, with a R- Precision R- DSer. Prior R- to that, it was the Waves Renaissance DSer that I used almost 100% of the time for a very long time. Mm, I used to have that one, too. Yeah. Yes, it, that one. It was before I discovered a... de <laughs> <laughs> But it does a very nice job, and it's got a highly controllable situation where you can do it as an overall, or you can split the frequencies and have crossovers in it, and it's pretty nice. Yeah. However, my current one of super choice, especially during the mixdown phase and not at the export of tracking phase, which is where mm. I would use Logics if something continues to be a problem in the mix phase, and the export phase of the final two tracks. OX Sounds Soothe 2. Oh, I can't believe I didn't think
1: of that. Yeah, that's a brilliant one.
0: That just becomes the greatest thing since sliced bread when it comes to BSing. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And for every single episode of this podcast, if you go look at the... Chain it's that I use to yep. actually use the concept of how this podcast gets recorded. It's listed 100% of the time because it's there yep. all the time. It is such an amazing DSer, and OX Sound did brilliance in the making yeah. right there <laughs> I don't isn't even know that the, mo- it, right? the
1: mark of a truly great de like you don't even realize that you're using it and you have it yes. you know it's just so good it just does what it does it does what yeah, it does that, and it does yeah, it very well and it's not one. just
0: a de i mean you can use it no. in a de capacity for all kinds of things but that one is like the DSing god of choice for me is the super Yeah,
1: because there again, flexibility with that one, right? It's, insanity. it's not just like one knob. It, yeah, yeah. It's um. I really need to dig deeper in, into the manual of that one because it's one of those things that it just, you pull up a preset as a starting point and it does its job. It's like, okay, well, that was easy. You don't really have to dive in that really heavily into it. Right.
0: And but, it's quite uh, possible that obviously the joke of me doing all that sibilant type Crap at the beginning of this particular episode. Sooth 2 may actually deal with a grand portion of it, although it might still sound obviously very annoying with the way I did it. But it won't be as bad as what we just heard when we actually tracked it.
1: <laughs> so then the joke is lost on us. A little bit, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, let's let's hope. But if that intro didn't make sense, now you know. The reason now you know why. the reason why. Yes. Right. Anything else you want to add about the wonderful
0: world of DSRs here, Jody? No, just be judicious with it. Is the best way of saying it. That's all I'll say about it. If you get way too and careful, judicious and careful. If you get way too heavy-handed, like I said before, it could cause the track to actually sound like it's getting dulled out, rather than just being dealt with and not being overpowered. That's all I can say about
1: that. Yeah, and it is one of those tools again. Just to say to wrap this up like I said, the top of the podcast there, it's one of those things that you don't really think about until you really need it. Mm-hmm. And the difference that it makes to it is, I mean, it's its not sexy at all, but it is vital to have in your,
0: in your tool just a good de Oh, uh, yeah. And with that, let's move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what Woo-hoo. have you got today?
1: Well, I believe it was last week, or maybe it was the week before, but I mentioned this artist, Venus Theory. Yes. And through his channel, I discovered a wavetable synth from a company called Vital Audio. Dun, dun, dun. And the synth is called Vital.
0: Well, how about imagine, that?
1: <laughs> imagine that. What a coincidence. So creative. Right? But it is a wavetable synth, and it's really, really good at doing a lot of things in my workflow. And I'm just, you know, at the top of the iceberg with this. It is more from a sound design and experimental type of of a synth. Mm-hmm. It's not there to sound like a Mini Moog or Prophet Five or anything like that. This is for me strictly experimental. And it's really, really cool. I'm just digging into it. And what's really awesome about this as well is that there's a free option. Mm. Now, limited option, but it is free option. So you can try it out. If you really like it, there are paid levels as well. And if you like it, you should do that because it is almost criminal by the person that built this that it's actually offers a free version because <laughs> it is really 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 cool so that is my find for this Friday vital by vital audio mm-hmm. and
0: what about you Jody what do you got for us well i'm on like this bizarre brainwave frequency of you because i'm also going with a synth plugin as well <gasps> yes this one is by a company called fabric 70 And they've released a free synth called Explorer. Wow. It has four oscillators to it. Mm -hmm. And the first three... Oscillators one, two, and three can each access a sign, a triangle, a sawtooth, and square type waveforms. And oscillator four is reserved for straight up noise. There's also a wave shaper and other filters that are typical on pretty much any synth plugin that you can get at this point. That also has LFOs to it, so you don't have to go get something like a… Uh, LFO tool. LFO tool, yes. You don't need that because it's got built in LFO shit. So yeah. Plus Various envelopes and such. But the great thing about it is, as I mentioned, it is free. And you can be hopefully, free it, if you need a synth. Hopefully. hopefully it sounds good too, right? But I'm sure it does. Damn straight. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at goldstar g o l d s t a r at inside dot com with the word DSR. And you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page, and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say, see you next week. Talk to you later, Jody. Thank you so much for listening, people.